How you doing? My name's Matt Barr and you're listening to episode seven of the Looking Sideways podcast. This is my podcast where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. I'm sure if you've been listening so far, you know the drill by now. So episode 007, um, and I was lucky enough to speak to one of snowboarding's all-time legends for this one, which was an absolute pleasure, Mr. Tom Burt. So ask any snowboarder in the world, really, who the best free, rider in, free riders in the world are, and you, you're probably going to get the same answers. You're going to get Jeremy Jones, Xavier Delarue, Travis Rice, Nicholas Muller, etc., 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 Ask Jeremy, Xavier, Travis or Nicholas who their, f- their favourite freerider in the world is and I'm guessing but the chances are you one name is going to figure quite heavily and that name is Tom Burt. He is that influential. So when Tom agreed to meet up in Ver- Verbier to chat to me for the podcast, I was pretty excited and not least because in the lead up to that conversation, a worrying number of people who should know much better responded with, uh, Tom Burt, who's that? which is shocking really, because for over 30 years, Tom Burt has been at the cutting edge of freeriding. Whether it's been putting down legendary lines like Cordover Peak, being one of the first riders to open up Alaska, his filming feats with Standard, or his current role as head judge on the Freeride World Tour, Tom's seen it all, done it all, got the tales to prove it. He's one of those gloriously unique individuals who make up the backbone of action sports history a rider whose deeds and attitude gave a sport like snowboarding its spirit and culture when it really mattered and who effectively helped to shape the sport into his own image. It's not really an overstatement to say that without riders like Tom setting the standards back in the 80s and 90s, the very history of snowboarding would have turned out differently. So why have so many people never heard of Tom Burt? Well, Tom's never exactly been one of the cool kids in the industry. Aside from his annual game-changing film parts, He's always just quietly gone with the business of snowboarding as much as possible and being very, very good at it. Then there's the fact that he's so self-effacing and easygoing. As you'll hear in our chat, he's not exactly somebody to big himself up. At times, it was pretty easy to forget I was sharing a beer in the Verbier sunshine with one of the greatest hellmen in snowboarding history. But you look at a line like Cordova Peak now, which Tom rode with his friend Doug Coombs back in 1992, And it's still incredible. I've put a link in the show notes and I suggest that you watch it now before you listen any further because we talk about it a lot. And I mean, it is that legendary and I just think it's really worth paying attention to and looking at. I've also put Tom's original Polaroid of the face on the website. So have a look at that and imagine using that image to plot your way down that face from memory. No wonder this is one of the most celebrated descents in snowboarding history and rightly so watch it today and it's still mind-blowing 25 years later it's that good being a proper snowboarding geek i knew most of tom's story but among the nuggets uncovered in this one were some details i simply didn't know about for example if you read the accepted history of snowboarding the argument usually runs that the idea of the modern traveling free riding trip taking snowboard pro was invented in the early 90s when craig kelly jumped ship from sims to burton and turned his back on competitive snowboarding to become a full-time freerider. Not according to Tom, who, as he explains, pretty much invented the concept of the modern travelling snowboard pro with his friend Jim Zellers in around 1985 when they were trying to work out a way they could just do much more snowboarding. And it's great when he talks about the bucket list that they wrote and how far 
how many of those locations they managed to tick off as they travelled the world snowboarding. As we're discovering during this series of Looking Sideways podcasts, something that everybody I've interviewed has in common is they're ultimately they're a hustler or a blagger. When we used to run White Line Snowboarding magazine back in the day, we called the news pages Thieves and Rich Kids because it was obviously a piss take about what people already thought about snowboarders. But, you know, snowboarders are blaggers and Tom, as you'll hear, was no different. He hustled and he invented a role for himself. It just so happens that this set the template for every professional freerider pro career for the next three decades. So trying to give a story like Tom's the spotlight it deserves is why I started the Looking Sideways podcast, really. At a time when we're beginning to lose some of our first-generation legends, people like the sadly missed Noah Salaznek, who passed a couple of weeks before I'm recording this, which is in early May 2017. It was a real privilege to sit there in the presence of living snowboarding history, to sit back and enjoy the tales from a man who's at a ringside seat and with a, who has a truly unique perspective on snowboarding. We met the day after the final of the Verbier Extreme on a beautiful day in Verbier. Tom's the head judge at that event. And as you'll hear, he's been uh, the head judge of the Freeride World Tour for a while now, which means he gets to travel the world, do some snowboarding and have a real role in the evolution of that event. So we started the conversation discussing that event, which was absolutely amazing. I'll post the links to the the winning runs so you can understand what we're talking about. Definitely worth a look. Absolutely incredible. Pretty much the best snowboarding I've ever seen in the in real life anyway. And um, yeah, and then after that, we get on to Tom's career and uh, the tales come thick and fast. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Here it is, Tom Burt. Enjoy. So Tom Burt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, welcome to be here. I'm st- stoked. I'm in Verbier yeah. for this one. And it's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful setting, beautiful day. Um, so today that was the final, and you're the you're the head judge, right? Uh, yeah, the head judge for the for the skiing and the scoring judge on the snowboarding. So how was today? How did it go for you? Uh, today was it's rough in the judges' stand. You know, when people uh, you know ski and snowboard that well. It's it's hard to disseminate sometimes between what's what's better than somebody else, um, especially you know different different lines, different uh, doing different you know tricks in different places. It's 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 really tough. Really high standard today. Yeah, it was. There were you know four or five runs that are just incredible right there. The top five guys, all their runs were insane. What was the standout for you? Uh, I would have to say. Well, stand out. I loved uh, Ryan Fay's line. That know? was Looker's Right, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was Start Two, as we were calling it, yeah. and that was uh, Looker's, yeah, Looker's Right. And you know, he came in and dropped a, a, a big technical cliff, and then controlled it really well. You know, just Hammonder's turn right after it, and then into a 360 overexposure, into a backflip overexposure. You know, he kind of sat back on his backflip a little bit. And then continued down and and did you know another uh, couple drops below. It was just uh, an incredible line. Basically, the winning to me, my brand, the winning line. But he he had some control issues, so it brought him down and he ended up in third place. But that that was my my favorite. And then I, I but Ryan's run was 
ridiculous <laughs> in the in a certain sense of um, how big he went on his bottom feature and how clean everything was. Yeah, he was. stomped it. Yeah, it was just it was just absolutely stomped. Yeah, and, and then was, and it was yeah. What, how big do you reckon it was? Like and then you know feet? Leo Leo's run who took second. I mean, you know he threw a three sixty in a in a spot where you know you really shouldn't be throwing a three sixty in that yeah, zone. Yeah. And it was that's just insane. I mean it's super steep, super exposed. You know, if you fall there, if you just you just tomahawk the whole mountain after cliff band after cliff band. So, you know, that's a you know, incredible you know yeah. maneuver. So it was it was splitting hairs between uh, you know, Rene and, and Leo, really. So how long have you been involved with the Freeride World Tour? Well the Freeride World Tour for five or six seasons now. <clears throat> it's basically I worked with the US tour, judging that, uh, which was the the North Face Masters tour. And then the free ride world tour and then we're coming together for a couple of years. So the European riders would come over and ride um, in our comps in North America and our riders would come over here and do the extremes and stuff. And so I started, when they were starting to join, I started judging um, the comps that they were both in so that we had North American judges and European judges so that um, it was more fair. And then the, then the comp basically became one and it became the true world tour. So. And um, are you following the whole tour every year? You do, do you do all the events? Yes, I've been doing. Yeah, you know, it's been some some years. It's been six or seven events, and some years this year was five. Right, so it's pretty much the whole season then, really. Yeah, it's the whole season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, it'd be really good to go back to the beginning if if you're up for that, because obviously you've had a really long career, early eighties, right? That you started snowboarding. Yeah, 1982 is when I started snowboarding. Yeah. yeah. So, so how did you? You were a skier before, right? Yeah, I, I ski. I grew up skiing. I skied since I was four years old, um, and you know, I, I grew up in the era of right after the original free, free like style skiing, which yeah. was moguls, bumps, ballet, like hot, hot dogging. If yeah, you like. hot dogging. Yeah, yeah, and, and and aerials at that time. And so when I grew up, we did not want to be that. <laughs> so <laughs> my friends and I, we pretty much uh, skied what people call big mountain today. That's what we did. We we skied on GS skis or downhill skis and pretty much pointed it off the cliffs and did big, huge, long turns. Yeah, and this is Tahoe, mainly? This was in, yeah, this was Tahoe. Okay. So I grew up, grew up in Lake Tahoe. That, that was just what we did. And I pretty much saw snowboarding come around in the 70s and got introduced into Tahoe from Winter Stick Snowboards. It was out of Utah. And I saw it, and a lot of my friends who were in my high school class or a year older than me that I skateboarded with, they all uh, snowboarded a bit. You know, and I just never tried it until I was 18. And but the first board I actually rode was the Sims plastic Lonnie with the Lonnie Toff skate deck yeah, on yeah, it yeah. and a bungee cord. So, uh, you know, I would, and just in the backcountry, hiked up, put it on, put it, stood on it, felt, you know, just started down the hill, zooted right under my ass and realized, oh, I got to lean forwards to ride this thing. And so then I stood back up, walked back up, did turns from top to bottom without falling. And I was, uh, you know, it was just pow. So I was yeah. instantly hooked. Right. And that was pretty much uh, put me, put me on the path to like, oh, I need to go make pow turns on a snowboard. This is you know just enjoyable. So did you kind of stop skiing from that point and just dedicate yourself to snowboarding? Um, at that time, I, you know, I was skiing and then I'd snowboard when I could. I didn't own one yet, and then I bought a snowboard from Bob Klein. So Bob Klein was one of the uh, very first people in Tahoe to, to snowboard, and he was in my high school class. He was a good friend of mine. We used to like freeboard, 
you know, with surfboard behind a boat, you know, yeah. before it was called wake, wake surfing. surfing now, yeah. Yeah. We called it freeboarding. Right. And we used to do that behind his boat and he used to come over to my house and skate the skate ramp in my backyard and, you know. So we we hung out, but I that's who I bought my first board for from fifty bucks, used board and uh my first day ever at a ski resort, two feet of powder. Riding with Terry Kidwell and Bob Klein. Terry Kidwell is also in my high school class. Right, because I was going to ask you about that, because that, that scene, that Tahoe scene, is like so legendary, you know, now. And there's, there's you know, there's all the shots of the, of the, the, the pipe, the ditch yeah. that you guys yeah, yeah. obviously dug. And so you we were just all friends. Yeah, we were all like in high school together. Right. You know, so you, I mean, it was Alan, Arm constant... Bru- Alan R. Brewster was a year yeah, older yeah. than us. Right. Yeah, it was just, it was just people that we knew and we all did things together you know we weren't necessarily best friends or you know anything like like that but we you know our, our school only had 100 kids in it so everybody knows everybody and you do things with people and yeah you know yeah so it was it was you know a simple thing for in in our world so so you guys would ride ride that pipe you, you'd go to the local resort yeah we just yeah we did whatever you know i mean it was when when it started it was only a couple resorts that allowed yeah because so. i mean this is like proper back in the day isn't it? yeah I mean, and in the states you know people just there wasn't even you know it was just coming people were like what is it you're like well it's a snowboard you know <laughs> if you saw someone with a snowboard on top of their car you usually knew them yeah you know and then you know when you when you went to the what was called the worlds you know the first uh competition that i turned pro in in 1985 for me you know the worlds you know there was people from colorado and people from utah and people from the east coast and you know it was like wow, look at all these other people who snowboard, you know, it was, it was great, you know, and it was just full fun camaraderie and people are semi-serious coming down the courses and stuff, but it's not ski racing, you know, it yeah. wasn't like that at all. Well, that was, was the appeal, right? Yeah, well, it was just, it was just fun to meet people who thought snowboarding was, you know, fun to do. I mean, so, so like there was just little scenes concentrated in different parts of the country, you had like East Coast, presumably with Jake Burton and, and that, crew and then you had people in colorado and you guys on the west coast yeah there was little pockets everywhere um you know up in i mean for us there was you know mount baker oregon by mount hood area tahoe southern california and then you you know utah all all in anywhere that grassroots was growing met everybody and competed against everyone from all these fun places you know it was it was, it was a blast <laughs> as far as the comps went and you said that you turned pro so did that did that mean you were earning a living or what what did that look like? <laughs> no, or did you get a free no I, I got third in the pipe yeah. <laughs> at the very very first worlds and uh, I uh, got paid seventy five dollars. There you go. And there I was pro. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the big money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Third in the world for pro, you know, seventy five bucks. And how old so you you were what, eighteen, nineteen at this at this time? No, that was nineteen eighty five, so I was twenty one. Okay. And you were just riding? Yeah, we just you know, we just were, by that time, you know, snowboarding. I, I was going to college. That's kind of like view to a kill time in it. So it's starting to get a big international profile. And you Yeah, know. it's, yeah. And well, you did a Juicy Fruit ad, didn't you? Yeah, I did a Juicy Fruit ad in 1987. Yeah, which so, was kind of... So that's a couple of years later. Um, you know, but the the first couple of years, you know, we were just, we were hand making boards in South Lake Tahoe with Avalanche Snowboards. You know, right. And we had, you know... I mean, I got sponsored. That's '85. You know, I entered a race, took third in like a slalom race behind Terry Kidwell and Bob Klein, <laughs> and, and and then and then got asked, "Hey, you want to be sponsored?" It was like, "Well, what does that mean?" They're like, "We'll give you a board." I'm like, 
I'm in, you know, like I'd never been given anything in my life, you know. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, so. And that you know, was Avalanche that was that, that, that hooked was you Avalanche up. Snowboard, yep. They were out of South Lake Tahoe. Okay. You know, and, and the crew in 85, for the most part, you know, South Lake Tahoe, you had Sean Palmer and Damian Sanders, Chris Sanders, a couple other riders from South Lake Tahoe. And then you had the North Lake Tahoe crew of Terry and, and Bob and myself and, and Jim Zellers was living that uh, came up to school at that UNR, so we were t- at school together. Every weekend you'd be at the ski- same ski resort because there was only one that allowed it, or, or weekdays or whenever. What so, resort was that? Uh, that was Slide Mountain at that time, okay. which is now part of Mount Rose. Yeah. Um, but that only lasted a year, and then they cl- closed. They closed, and uh, and then we moved over to Donner Ski Ranch. Okay. <clears throat> and because uh, Donner allowed it. And it, but it was the time slide was closer to South Lake, and it just made more sense for uh, everything because Avalanche was coming from there. And then we were at Donner for a few years, which was awesome up there. You know, such great terrain around it. We, you know, we would ride the resort and train hard at the resort, and then we'd go and hike around there. Started doing all the lines in Donner, you know, before the movies ever came out. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask you <laughs> next. Really, is this when you started to? spread your horizons if you like and start looking around for a different type of snowboarding well it started really right out of the get-go i hooked up with jim zellers who became my backcountry partner in college we skied together and we both had skied a lot of stuff and when we started snowboarding then we said well i want to snowboard everything i've ever skied in in the sense of like the house down steeps and off cliffs so we started doing that or trying it and learning and like working our way, working our way up, working our way up. <clears throat> and then pretty soon we found that our snowboards allowed us to do different things on a snowboard you could, than you could on skis. So then we started doing lines that I wouldn't have done on skis at that time because the skis were so thin and, narrow, you know, and they didn't, you couldn't slide, you couldn't, <clears throat> couldn't do certain things. Then we realized, ah, this is an awesome tool. It's going to allow us to do a lot. We also realized that we really didn't like racing in the sense of like, because start, people started to become more serious. Like the first races were, were not so serious, but then people start to try to make a career out of it. I was going to say, and you, you started to see an industry, didn't you, basically, yeah. around events. And, yeah. and I guess that's the first wave of like money coming in, wasn't it? Like, spon- you know, outside sponsors. Yeah. And well, you know, so sponsors, you know, the first time that we ever went to a trade show in like 85 or 86, you know, we went to the ski, you know, ski industries of America trade show. A little Burton booth, a little Sims booth, a little Avalanche booth, and a little GNU booth, I think, you know. And then you walk around and you're like, you know, hey, I'm a professional snowboarder. You want to sponsor get some clothing? You know, everyone just like, ha! They just laugh. You're like, snowboarding? We wouldn't ever want to sponsor. This is the dumbest sport I've ever seen. You know, I mean, you're just like, like, really? You know, like, come on. You know, this is, it's going to be big someday because you know there's no rhyme or reason for snowboarding you know it's just something fun to do to go down the hill you know there's like it's not a it's not like you can travel on it or do anything you know yeah it's just just enjoyable yeah there's no so anything that's enjoyable usually has a really good chance of making it so we were like completely shut down though by the whole ski industry side it was was, was a, a pretty funny time to be involved in that that whole side of the the growth of the industry. So were you, were you making a living full time from snowboarding at this time or were you still working? Oh no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I was still, I worked four jobs in the summer so yeah. I could snowboard in the winter. Our, our first sponsorship money really came from 
I mean, Avalanche just was pretty much giving us boards, but they didn't have any money. They were just yeah. trying to grow a business from grassroots up, and there was no money in that. I mean, they helped us travel a little bit, you know, and gave us a car to travel in, you know. Right. But, uh, but the nice thing with Avalanche, probably the best thing that we as athletes learn from Avalanche is that you can do a ton of marketing without any money. So we were, you know, we were racing and we're like, well, we don't want to train and we don't want to because we really just want to go snowboarding. So how can we make that work? If we race and you win and you're number one, you get really good publicity. But the chances of that, and we were already considered ourselves old because we were, you know, 22, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at 23, you know, we're like, well, I'm already an old man. There's young, young guys coming up and we're going to be kicking our butts, you know? I mean, that's just a reality. And, and we were like, okay, you know, how are we going to do it? Well, let's guarantee ourselves coverage. So we're like, how do we do that? Well, we can do you know, trips to places, you know, um, that was, and we're like, you know, so, so Jim Zellers and I, we made a bucket list of places we wanted to go snowboard at, you know, which would be like Chamonix and, you know, and La Grave and right, New Zealand okay. and Japan right. and New Zealand, you know, I mean, just the list, you know, Alaska, you know, um, you know, we wanted to snowboard Denali. We want, you know, we, we just made a list of Really, literally, places. literally sat down and wrote a list. Yeah, yeah. a list around the world. And then we <laughs> started... Selling trips to magazines <laughs> right off the get-go and talk to photographers, um, you know, and... Was, that, was anyone else doing it? No, we were pretty much it, as far as I know, that we... Right. Like, like, that was, you know, I mean, we came from a ski background and you saw, like, Warren Miller movies, and you they kind of did that. They, they would go to places and ski with people. Yeah. So you, you saw that, like, oh, it could work. Yeah. But we're like, well, let's go. Let's us go and do stories on us and we'll snowboard bring a photographer you know and so that started the the the, the well i mean that's the, that's what every that's the career isn't it i mean that's what everybody does I yeah mean, yeah, now, yeah and yeah. so and so and this was before videos were were out so we didn't have so that what is this, like 87 well 80, so 85 was the first magazine that came out which yeah. was international snowboard magazine and when that came out then that changed our world because before that like if I could do anything, I'd have my picture on the picture of cover of Powder magazine. Yeah. We figured Powder magazine was just going to become a ski and snowboard magazine. Right. Um, but instead, they made their own magazine, Snowboarder. Yeah. And but that didn't come around to like '89. And same with Transworld didn't come out to like '88, '89. I think they're both almost identical timing. What was the guy called? Tom Tom Hesh was it? Is that his name? The International Snowboard Magazine. No, no, Tom Shea. Tom Shea. Tom Shea. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's. Uh, He's out of San Francisco. Right. He's still a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, so he, he started the first snowboard magazine. And then, um, you know, so, so that was, that was kind of, kind of the media, yeah, like, yeah. like how do you know, how do you, how do you, how can we do this? So you we had, figured out a way that. of doing it. Yeah. And so we started, like I said, doing trips, um, you know, originally for international snowboard magazine and then, then moving on from there, uh, to uh, when you know when, when Transworld and Snowboarder both came out, you know we were you know it was like the first year all you saw was Avalanche snowboards on everything. It was like yeah. Trips and Damien Sanders and this and that and you know like it was insane. You know it was just insane. People were like thought that Avalanche snowboards was a huge entity. Right. Like we were, we did we did an incredible job of marketing, 
and there was no boards. Like people couldn't buy them because they couldn't. They didn't have any money at all. Right. They were broke. Right. Like you couldn't know, in debt. They couldn't make boards. Yeah. You know. Right. So it was just a funny, funny time. You know, like, and that's right when everything was starting to boom. You know, right before the, you know, the early '90s when yeah. 300 companies. You know, yeah. So where were you? What, what trips were you doing at this time then? You and Jim. Well, our first, our first, probably uh, trip was well. We did Montana for one then we did uh in the sierras we went down to the pacific palisades um we went and then we kind of just jumped right into it and we decided we we're going to alaska and so we went right. and we ended up we were our original goal was to do denali um but uh, chris noble who's a photographer who was going with us he's like well maybe we should go for a trip uh somewhere else first and then do Denali at another date. So we, we went to the Ruth Glacier, which turned out to be a really, um, you know, smart decision. We had a lot to learn as far as glacier travel and, you know, and we went and spent a month on the glacier, uh, hiking and doing lines, you know. And um, what, so you got to tell me about that. I mean, that, so what, what was the, what was the <laughs> setup like then in Alaska? Who was well, there? Well, we, no, there was no, there was, so there was no howling in Alaska. Maybe in Juneau, the um, Bruce Griggs and Sean Brownell, who started uh, Out of Bounds Helling in, in, in Juneau, they hellied, but, you know, it was like they basically went to the heliport. They wanted to lift to the top of the mountain. They duct taped their skis on the skids <laughs> and flew to the top. So <clears throat> so besides for that, <laughs> there was nothing else going on. Right. There. I mean... Um, so you guys were making it up as you went along. You were learning as you went. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but that... But but so we weren't we flew in with the plane and and just got dropped off yeah. and spent a month, so you know this and you know we you know snow camped and hung out and and we had ton, you know tons of weather, um, still had a blast you know even though we were you know we were like one of the snowiest maze on record <laughs> in Alaska ever <laughs> type thing and just pinned down and you know but it was. It was great, you know. I, we learned a ton, um, and that kind of helped us set our way you know, ways into the next trips. You know, bigger things that we did, which you know, we went back and did Denali in '91. Right. Um, How was and that? in between that, I went to Orizaba down in Mexico, uh, which is the third highest peak in North America. Right. And then, um, well, on Denali, we did the Orient Express, so it's kind of a steep line for the first uh, 5,000 feet exposed um, where if you fall you, you know you can kind of tumble off the end of the world there yeah yeah no fall be. zone see but and you'd been ski mountaineering before you started snowboarding so you grew, did you grow I grew up hiking yeah. you know um, a lot didn't have much money growing up and I so we we hiked a lot you know as kids it was just part of what we do yeah my brothers would go and I'd just go with them and then um, even in high school we were hiking you know, doing backcountry hiking lines. We, you know, I, I, I bought my own ski passes and we skied the ski area and, and had great skiing in Tahoe. Um, but we also did things around Tahoe backcountry. That was why, like, you know, the first time I ever snowboarded was, was hiking. It was yeah. Like, and so it always was continu- something they did. A continuation know? of what you'd already done. Yeah. So this this sort of pioneering phase in Alaska, is this when you were starting to film with people like Four Line and Standard as well? Uh, no, the... Uh, the first years was 92 that we hellied. Okay. Right. So, so before that we, you know, I was just mountaineering. So, 
and snowboarding. But yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's different, different thing, but it's you know, it's similar. It's like big, big descents, and you just get more time to look at them when you hike it. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, very similar. And then, then when we started heling in in '92 in Valdez, myself and Jim Zellers, and you know, we were the most experienced basically coming into there so and there were no guides at that time they just put you in a heli and said where you want to go so we were choosing runs all over the place and um you know we we would open new you know new lines up and that's what we did you know from the get-go basically guiding straight out of the get-go without really being a guide i mean they had the alaska extremes that year which was the first you know big mountain comp and, and snowboarding and uh so same thing. Jim and Bonnie, I got in the plane and we flew around and picked venues just like, that's a good venue. That's a good venue. And that's, you know, and so, um, you know, it turned out to be awesome, you know, all like basically then we'd pick them and then we'd fly up with the helicopter, uh, like Jim and myself and we'd Amazing. ski them first and then, and, then, and then the athletes would come Amazing. the next day. Well, you must have, you mustn't have been able to believe your luck. Well, not your luck because it's not luck that you've got there, but I mean, what an, what an amazing thing to be able to pioneer to basically be at the forefront of, of that. Such an important part of snowboarding. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's insane. I mean, as I tell people, it, you know, if my career ends tomorrow, I've probably been luckier than most who've done more power turns on more slopes, you know, and have a smile on my face, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it could end and it wouldn't matter, but I'm still lucky. I still am out there making power turns today, you know, and coming down the mountain and I love it just as much. So when, so back, back then, what, what are some of the, the descents that stand out from those days? Well, Denali stands out. It was just Jim and myself, you know, we took a couple snapshots of each other. That one, that one's always good for me. Um, cause it wasn't easy, but it was still fun, yeah. you know, and we got, we got good pow on it actually. So, so that was, that was nice at least for 10,000 of the, of, of the, what, 12,000 or more that you get to ski or 14, it's 14,000. Most guess. of it was. So 4,000 was, was a little rough and 10,000 was really it's a good pow. It's a good yeah. ratio. Yeah. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that always stood out from your parts was a lot of the times you weren't really riding the best snow. Obviously, yeah, there's a lot of amazing powder turns and there's a lot of amazing conditions in there, but it seemed like you worked really hard on your technique from, or, or you, that was really important to you from, from th- throughout your career. Is that fair to say? So you could make bad snow look good almost? Yeah, well, I trained, like I said, from day one when we decided that we wanted to ski, like snowboard everything I wanted to ski. Yeah. That's pretty much what we did is, every, you know, every day we'd go out and hammer turns down steep hard terrain no matter what the conditions were if yeah. it was perfect pow or if it was ice moguls didn't matter we wanted to to really be on top of our boards because you know when you lay it out there when you do a serious line you don't you know you don't want to be second guessing your ability at that moment you just want to know that you're going to go to where you need to go to and that your body and your board is going to work underneath your feet so you know, I, I trained all the time and, so, you know, I would either, you know, I just go hot lap, um, when, after at Donner ski ranch, we'd hot lap the steeps at Donner ski ranch, which was four or five turns only right. of steep, but we did it over and over and over and over. And you go and get like, 
oh, I did all five good turns, and you go back, you got only one good turn out of five, like you missed, you know, and you go back and back and back and back. And then when we moved to, when Squaw opened up, I would do it on KT and just do shoot 75, which is, you know, just a, a kind of a straight fall line that run. But I'd just continually do it. And like I say, it didn't matter what the conditions were. Um, and it just sets you up so that when it's funky, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is a Mike Hatchett who films for standard films. Yep. Um, you know, he was always, his biggest complaint is that you made that look too easy, right. you know, and he knew how hard it was, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he's like, I can't use it. It's not a usable shot. Cause it was, you made it look too easy. Right. You know, so it, it was just, uh, but I worked on it to make it like for myself to be comfortable and easy. Yeah. You know? So that that's that allowed me to to um, you know expand my what I wanted to do, which was you know you see you see things that look beautiful like a line down a mountain, and you're like ah oh, that just looks looks beautiful. So I, I would usually try to ski those lines because they just looked fun to me. Yeah. And sometimes there's lots of exposure in those lines. <coughs> things, exposure are things that you can, that can kill you. That's yeah. What I call yeah, exposure. Yeah. So. And how do you so? How do you deal with that? Do you, do you feel fair in those situations? Well, uh, I'm not sure what your what your question. So if you're well, when you when you you know you're talking about these exposed uh, descents, yeah. Do you do you feel fair yourself personally when you're when you're in those situations, or or are you so confident that that's not something that really comes into it? Oh no, I consider them. Uh, I you consider all of them. You know, you consider all the exposures, you know, or things that can kill you into your decision making upon the day yeah. the snow conditions um you know the 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 whole thing so if you look at like cordova peak as an example yeah which i was going to ask you about you know so it's, so it's it's you know descent that most people see because it's got it's on video yeah you know and and was shot top to bottom you know there was a lot of exp different exposures for different reasons on that on that run you know we were very worried about like the upper face pulling out with avalanche. You know, we'd been, we were there. So the first day we saw it, we're like, should we ski it? And that, but the avalanche condition was high. Um, we were really spooked by that on the, especially the upper part above the cliffs, you know, which is above the glacier, the hanging glacier. And then the, in the hanging glacier, that glacier was really trippy. It pulled out. I call them catcher's myth. The ice pulls out the wrong way. So anything from above will fall into a crevasse basically okay. instead right. of, so like into the, well seracs so any it would just fall you fall into the seracs not over them yeah and so it's like just critical yeah just you know if you go if you fall that way you basically die you know yeah. it's like so it's it's just like so there's no other exposures and then there's a huge birch run at the bottom and then there's a huge hanging glacier above you you know so it's like any any of those go wrong you know it's like six different exposures and then also above the cliff band on the upper face was it's ice it's just a a wall of ice and the spines are built up off the top of the rocks and you, we could see the ice through the spines so where you had to go across the i called it the ice shelf that was you know you're looking at blue and black ice just and just snow sitting on top of it you know and it's so you're <laughs> you got all those exposures yeah, to, yeah. To, to deal with so on a, on a given day you you take all those into consideration whether you're going to actually really do that line or not so I'd seen it four or five days earlier, then sat there and we stewed over it at the bar, you know, and then we started flying that morning. What was not planning on going back over there, we just happened to f fly by it and we 
we sat down, talked about it, and Doug Coombs, a skier, yeah, um, who uh, ended up passing away at Lagrave. He and I both looked at it and said, oh, I don't think it goes today, you know, again. And then we're like, well, let's go ski this other side. So we went and skied a shoulder off of, of off the mountain and actually got onto the glacier below it and skied the snow. And then after we skied the snow, we said, hmm, yeah. We got to the bottom and said, I think it's possible. You know, we both said, looked at each other and said, I think it's possible. And we're like, yep, yep. So we called in the heli and went and did it without, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't planned. It wasn't anything. And uh, so, you know, it turned out, and that, and that line, uh, the glaciers changed, doesn't exist, has never been done again. Right. Well, I'll obviously put a link to that in the in the show notes so people who haven't seen that can can see it because it's you know it's one of the most famous lines in freeriding, really, isn't it? I think that's fair. I to think say. a lot of peop- people know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And Men- Mendelhall Towers, that's another one of yours, isn't it? Mendelhall, I didn't do first, but I've done it. I did. A, I did a line that uh, that goes the wrong way right but, you know it yeah, was just I, different. I, i'll put i'll put in <laughs> season because they still i mean they're still amazing yeah. i mean the 20 25 years ago are they these yeah you know so yeah yeah so about this time as well and you've got more and more in alaska i mean yeah you know you're filming more with with people like mike hatchett yeah and presumably as as a new generation of riders come in your expertise and experience you start to guide and mentor the, these these new riders right is that so is that something that, that happens? Yeah, well, you know, when, so after, you know, the first years in Valdez, um, then we started also going to Juno. So I'd either stop in Juno on my way for a week, go to Valdez for three or four weeks, and then stop in Juno for another week on my way back, or stop for a couple of weeks on my way back or whatever. But I started spending more and more time in Southeast Alaska. And um, 96 was my last year in Valdez. And then I, then I um, bit only went to the southeast. And, you know, the, the train's different, uh, different mountains, but we started exploring more, going, you know, further out. So we skied all around Juneau area, and then, um, then we went to Skagway and, and then into Haines. In those days, then I, I started guiding with Out of Bounds Adventures, and then, which turned into Alaska Heli now. But, and, and so then when film crews came, they were stoked to have, yeah. you know, someone with, with experience in, in filming. So I started pretty much right out the get-go, like, guiding film crews. And then I pretty much uh, guided, you know, if you've seen a lot of the films in Southeast Alaska, yeah, I, I pretty much guided probably almost all, 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 you know, anyone you can think of in the snowmobile yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, any, any whether, name that's, that's been you know, to Alaska. Whether, you, whether, you, whether it's Tommy Bruner, who's no longer yeah. <coughs> with us, too, to... Uh, all the way up to you know, Travis or Nicholas or Gigi or yeah. you know or Axel Laporte or who, Frank who, Montoya or you know I mean you know it's just like the list yeah goes on I mean we were there with Rankit and Farmer and yeah, you yeah. know I mean you know uh, <laughs> so you know helling with those guys and helling all the way through and, yeah. and you know I mean it, you know I mean you're looking it's like you know we would have our harnesses and our gear to be on glaciers you know and and rank would be like hey man let me borrow some of that your harness and everything so so you know so i can have some props you know <laughs> while i'm riding down you right. know it was you know it was just just a, a funny time so who, who impressed you did anyone stand out as far as just just on a snowboarding level oh shit everyone impresses me there's you know i mean i i love snowboarding and uh 
watching people ride. I mean, you know, I mean, if you, you have to ask the time period because the time periods change. You know, yeah, you, have to, yeah. you have to think of, you know, what Goodwill was doing. You know, when when we start, first started, you know, videoing, and he just yeah. came on and was stomping huge airs. Um, you know, I mean, it's just freaking impressive. You know, um, and then then you have riding with Craig Kelly or Dan Donnelly or you know, like or in the, you know the early days. Or I mean, I you know I got to ride with all the time with Terry Kidwell. You know, yeah. I mean, it's impressive to watch someone that talented in the air. Yeah. And then I got to ride with Damien Sanders for a year. You know, it was like the most beautiful person ever to watch do an aerial trick. You know, <laughs> he never looked uncomfortable there. Looked uncomfortable getting to the jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, those hot it was just, but it was just, you know, it's just insane. You know, so, I mean, you, you know, the air, and, but the errors for me keep going. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, you, you, you roll in, you, you know, you roll in for me, it's like, you know, decades and dec. you know, I mean, I'm basically into my fourth generation of snowboarders yeah. that I get to ride with and they're all still, you know, I mean, it's still impressive and fun to watch and, yeah. and I get to go ride with them and, it, you know, it, it's a blast, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I judged Travis Rice's, you know, the supernatural contest and to spend a week with 16 top riders, yeah. you know, in a cat every day with, with, with eight of them. Plus the other judges that are there, which are incredible riders also, you know, and just blowing around and having fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just you know, like you can't imagine how much, how enjoyable that whole world is of, of just, you know, people loving to go snowboarding. So you still up in Alaska every year? Are you still guiding? I haven't been guiding. I stopped guiding kind of when I started judging. Okay. Um, it just, I, I you know, made a commitment with my wife and everything that, that I would slow down my world, um, when we decided to have kids. So, um, I made a deal for seven weeks a year to be gone if, yeah. if I was going to, you know, so, and I pretty much stick to it, you know, some years it, I get stretched out or whatever. Um, but so when I, when I was guiding, I was doing three, four weeks, five weeks guiding, whatever, whatever that turned in and a couple other weeks doing other projects. Right. And, but then, uh, when I started judging, then I, you know, um, it was taking too much time. I couldn't guide anymore. You know, the last guiding I did was for Jeremy Jones for deeper, you know, the two, two month, yeah. the, eight, a month trip in Alaska. And then the next year, another month trip in Alaska. So that was the last guiding that I did. Right. <clears throat> so, but that's, you know, um, so those were a little bit different, Yeah. you know, but you know, it, it's, it's pretty fun. It's fun to see. I mean, most people don't really know, like, basically, like, the deeper, further, higher story is basically a copy of Jim Zeller's and my snowboarding, what, our bucket list. You know, we went to the Himalayas, yeah, we went yeah. to South America, we went, you know, like, like our bucket list is, you know, it was cool. So it was really fun to see, basically, our bucket list redone, Yeah, you know. Yeah, and redone in such a, on such a grand scale as well. Yeah, well, I mean, we couldn't do it, you know, the film, like, film cameras at that time were so heavy. Yeah. You know, no one could go with you you know it just didn't make any sense yeah so you know, when the film video cameras and and everything you know just changed the whole filming world so it's cool you know it's 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 great but it's like it's really fun to see because it's like ah we did that you know right so <laughs> why, why did you go in the himalayas we did pomori which is right did you? right yeah, yeah right. Right. I've, I've been to base camp so i know where it yeah. is yeah yeah so it's right right next to everest right and uh, just on the ridge so, yeah you know so I, I, I i got the snowboard you know 
In Tibet, in Nepal, in Tibet, in Nepal. Really amazing. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, what is that? Like six, seven thousand? Well, I guess you're in feet, aren't you? But it's, that's it's, like 20, 20, 20 thousand it, feet? It's 20, almost 24,000. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, I forget yeah. what it is. I don't think years. I could have gone snowboarding up there, to be honest. <laughs> pretty tired. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. <laughs> well, I've got a question for you about Alaska, because I think one of the, one of the things I always wonder is, I've never been, yeah. you know, I've been snowboarding 20 years. What what advice would you give an ordinary snowboarder? Because obviously, if you're gonna you're gonna go to Alaska, it's expensive. You you have a, a narrow window of opportunity if if you don't get lucky with the weather. It takes years to build up the skills for you to 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 even get anywhere near to grips with it. If you're an ordinary snowboarder looking at like the trip of a lifetime, you know, going to spend some money. What what would you recommend? Well, firstly, where, where do you recommend they go? And secondly, <laughs> secondly, how would you recommend they prepare for it? Well, the biggest thing is is you know don't i guess i guess it's it's so hard because that's such a like loaded question because ability wise you know um because you know people see alaska and it and it everyone sees steep spines and you know like incredible lines that people are riding but there's a ton of just mountains right to ski i mean you just can go out and ski perfect powder down huge mountain runs with no tracks on them so it's like don't don't get your expectations beyond that you're going to go ski these perfect spines in a in a week trip if you want to spend a month and a half there like the film crews do just waiting for when the conditions are right then maybe you get to go ski those in a, on a, in a year maybe it's not like every year that <laughs> no, things are yeah. it's just as the reality you know yeah. you, the 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 amount of time spent just waiting waiting yeah you know is incredible so and so that's expensive that's you know but just to go with expectations that yeah i'm going to get some really good runs and there is a chance that we can step it up to steep things just because you happen to be there at the right time when the conditions are there that is worth doing basically because there's nothing like getting on you know something steeper that keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. You know, it is really fun to do, and and they're not necessarily. You know, a lot of a lot of lines aren't that dangerous in the sense of of where you're at with exposures. Yeah. You know, but you just get to. You know, it's like it's incredible. So, so many people come with the expectation that I'm going to go ski the the shit. Right. You know, really? right out right I'm out quite the get go. Surprised by that because <laughs> all you hear is is how much weight in there is so you do get people that go oh i'm gonna go ride that Travis rice line or something yeah like that. oh yeah yeah there's people who you know they they have really high and then they're all bummed you know even though they went and skied good snow yeah and and they had great runs but they just they didn't get to do what their dream was right if you're if you want the dream then you gotta spend the time yeah yeah but if you if you if your expectations are right you'll just it's it's freaking wonderful it, it's a, it's a, you know it's a, such a unique uh generally snowpack you know, allows you to ride things uh, that you can't ride in a lot of other places. Snow sticks and stuff that it, where it shouldn't. I mean, we we're lucky we have the kind of similar snowpack in Tahoe, so you know the steeps get. You know, you get to ski very very steep snow and it stays there. Yeah. Which which just you know, mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. some of your most famous lines have been in around Tahoe, right? I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, uh, you know. There's the TB spines and there's the yeah, TB exactly, cliff yeah. and there's the, t you know, like, like people, people, you know, line, you know, lines all over the place that, um, cause we kind of pioneered a lot of the things that went down for the film world. Yeah. You know? 
And it sounds like if, from what you were saying earlier, the best preparation for a trip like that is just doing a lot of snowboarding and a lot of varied terrain. Yeah, a lot of varied conditions. terrain and conditions, and, and you know, and you got to push yourself to do it over and over again. To, to like, like I say, I mean, you know, we'd get we'd do like ten good turns. And then your eleventh one sucks. All right, yeah. go back and do it again. You know, and then of course, then you miss your third and your fifth, and you're like, seriously, we do the line a, a similar line over and over and over and over again. Um, but it was just the, my my way of of being on it. Yeah. You know. Um, so, and varied terrain really helps too. And riding with varied people teaches you a lot. Yeah. Uh, when you ride with different styles, and you know, and I mean, I've been lucky, like I say, right from the get go, I got to ride with with different, you know, freestylists, big airs to down the mountain. It's been a great learning curve for me because I got to, to learn a lot from every, every you know, style of yeah. of rider that are out there. Yeah, well, you've seen everybody. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> and I've got to ride with them all, you yeah, know. I, yeah. mean, I mean, the amount of people, you know, that on the list of people that I've got to ride with is just fun for yeah. me. Are there any... Um, things up there that you still like to do that you've not done in alaska yeah oh yeah well we're supposed to so our group um it's kind of five of us uh so we put up a run called 30 something which was a run when we were in our 30s and it was a 3,000 foot phase and then we put up 40 something and we're so we're supposed to put up 50 something which is 5,000 the scary thing is we already have 80 something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so we're a Brilliant. little scared because 80 something is probably the most difficult of any of the runs by 10 times right <laughs> being well, i mean two things one is an 8000 foot <laughs> descent <laughs> and so by the way, if we're in our 80s and we ski it it would be a, a ridiculous ridiculous thing Brilliant so, who's who's in that group then who's the five uh Jim Zellers Bonnie Zellers um Bruce Griggs who was one of the owners of um out of bounds and then alaska helling and sean dog who's the current owner of alaska helling brilliant so what a club yeah <laughs> so and do you follow the industry are you somebody that like pays attention to what's going on in snowboarding right now um i follow it in a, in a sense i'm not i'm sure you're not like i'm alone. not i'm not like scouring every magazine yeah. or um you know into the politics or or you know bits and pieces but i still care about the industry so i follow it uh, and i enjoy i know a lot of the you know players in it so it's still fun you know like if i see a magazine i flip through it check it out from your vantage point then given how long your career's been and does it does it feel like snowboarding's in a good place right now well i mean snowboarding now to me at least in the states so it's different in different places but in a lot of places in the states uh, the kids are like my dad snowboarded, so I'm gonna ski, which is fine because skiing is a fun thing too. Yeah. So that next generation is now in young, of the next snowboarding, like the next snowboarding push to me. Yeah. So I think that it'll be it'll it'll continue along and, you know, still, still have a place. You know, I mean, snowboarding is just fun. I, again, like I say, it has no there's no rhyme or reason. No. That there's snowboarding even exists. Yeah. Besides for that, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's obviously driven it all these years. So that's not yeah. going anywhere, is it? No, I mean, I you know, just I mean, here in Verbier, we they they postponed the contest for you know a couple of days. So we, you know, I went over to a bank solemn over in Champery uh, here in Switzerland, and it was awesome. You know, it's you know, hundred competitors, and they're all just having fun. You know, and just like 
it's just a blast from little teeny kids to old guys like me, <laughs> you know, in their fifties going down the course and, you know, everyone's cheering and ha having a great time. And, uh, you know, and then they had like a little kicker session off a little teeny hit, you know, and like, I was telling all the, all the riders, I'm like, yeah, the, this could have been 1985, no problem. We did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. And we were all laughing and joke, you know, having a good time. It was Amazing. Like, you know, so it's it like the spirit is still there, you know? And and that's what that's what's fun and what what like continues to drive me to be yeah, like well, it's part keep, of it. It's what keeps you coming back, isn't it? We were just saying that with our friends here that like I think we've all been riding together 20 years and you know 20 years later here we are carrying board bags around you know sleeping on floors doing the same thing I mean that, yeah. that's the part isn't it that's that, that's the camaraderie that you get that's the fun part definitely. oh yeah yeah it's 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 kind of like being you know at the, the tour you know the judging is, is judging it's and it's tough and it you know but the being with all the riders for the year and getting to you know ride, you know, ski with everybody and ride with everybody and hang out i mean that's that's the fun part <laughs> you know <laughs> so i mean what, that's what that's what's enjoy you know enjoyable you know plus we get to you know ride a lot yeah yeah, in yeah. a lot of cool places yeah and, exactly you know, i mean all, all those things so what what are you looking for when you're judging you know like an event today obviously earlier we talked about the amazing standard of skiing and snowboarding what yeah well normally i mean it's it's kind of like for me like choice align really good really good riding or, or skiing you know really i mean i really appreciate people who who's who uh who make good turns because it's an important thing to me it's, yeah it may, it may, you know i'm probably alive today because i made good turns <laughs> you know <laughs> it's that technique so, thing again yeah it just is you know and 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 then when someone puts that together with you know some strong airs and um and creative things and then you know now now people start to put you know when you freestyle moves in in critical places it's you know as a someone who's been there you know how difficult that is so you really appreciate it yeah you know so you know people you know think it's just normal to see someone now spin or do a flip or whatever off something you know and it's just it's it's you know it's just adding more it's like yeah um and such is the progression. That's yeah. always everything progresses. Uh, it just gets pushed. Everyone sees what's possible, and does the next step. You know, I mean, it's that's then that's what's you know that's also fun to see. Yeah. Well, I got a couple more questions, and then I think we'll we'll wrap it up. I always ask everybody the same mm -hmm. couple of questions. So, one of them is, uh, if you could only go snowboarding one more time, where would you go? <laughs> Uh, where would I go? Yeah. I'd go make a powder turn. Yeah. Anywhere. Doesn't matter anywhere. anywhere. I don't care. You don't care where? <laughs> I don't care Just where. Just some powder. As long as, I, as long as I get to do a powder turn for, for my last one, if that's my last one, as long as yeah. it's a powder turn. All good for me. Nice. And what does snowboarding mean to you now after after thir nearly 35 years? Uh, Well, snowboarding's, I mean, it's just been a part of my world, part of my life. Um it's it's it'd be it's a tough that's a tough one. Uh, it means a lot, but at the same time, it really means nothing. It's because it's 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 allowed me to do more than you know I probably would have ever done. So that's probably the best thing. I, I know more great people, been to more fun places uh, than you know. It's like you know we'd have to talk for. Couple of days to yeah, go through yeah. all, yeah. all all the fun, you know, all all the all the fun, you know, 
runs and places and things, you know. When you when you when you get the ski powder and in the southern hemisphere, in the northern hemisphere, you know, the poles or, you know, at the equator, you know, I mean, it's like, really, I got to do pow turns there, <laughs> you know. So, um, it's just been a, been a, been nice to have as a as a journey of life. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I still am blown away that I, I get to be involved. <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's still, it's still, it's still, still fun. We cast more than that. Well, Tom, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Yeah, yeah. I get to I get to fly home, get in the car, and drive my kids to the big wave with Jerry Lopez, and go snowboarding. So there you go. And th <laughs> thanks for uh, having me. So there you go. That was Tom Burr, and I think we can all agree what a legend. I think my absolute favorite thing about this interview is the fact that Tom uses the word ski as his preferred verb to describe snowboarding. As in, we just decided to go ski this line or you could ski here, you can ski there. I love that because it just goes to show what a load of absolute nonsense it is to think that there's any kind of divide between skiers and snowboarders among people who are actually serious about being in the mountains. It's amazing how often I still hear people harp on about this supposed schism between skiers and snowboarders. And I'm always a bit like, um, 1992 wants its contrived controversy back. But I think the main thing that came across was how into snowboarding Tom is, as into it as he's ever been. When I emailed him for shots, he was literally just back off the hill in Tahoe and was enthused. I mean, it's early May, like I say, and he was enthusing about how the mountain was empty and he was still getting to ride powder turns at the beginning of the summer, really. As he said in his interview, there's no rhyme or reason to snowboarding going downhill is just something fun to do and oh if only everybody looked at it that simply because it really is that simple so that was episode seven of the looking sideways podcast thanks again for listening to and or downloading the episode i hope you enjoyed it if you head over to my website www.wearelookingsideways.com you'll find the archive the show notes imagery social links you can sign up to my newsletter so you get exclusive news from looking sideways and to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. You can also find my Facebook page where I posted a thread asking people for questions and, and suggested guests, which has been getting a little bit of traction. There's a few people chipped in up there now. So it's pinned to the top of that Facebook page if you want to go and have a look. And apart from that, you could do me the usual favor of uh, leaving me a review on iTunes or just passing it on, sharing it on social, which a lot of people have been doing and I've been really grateful. It's been... As I'm saying every episode, it's brilliant to, to hear how much everyone's enjoying it. And yeah, hopefully I can keep making many more of these. And um, yeah, let me know who you, want, who you want to hear, who you want me to speak to. So that's it. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, see you later.